Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us here with The Ville Church. Uh, Pastor Rodney here alongside Pastor Jay and Elder Tony. Uh, Just want to say so thankful to be with you. I want to start by just praying and gives people a time to just chime in and and get into the Word of God today. So let me begin. Father, I'm here to um, just connect with the church and be with them through this Word and through what you're doing uh, this morning and in this time in their life. And um, I know that these are difficult times and unpredictable times. And I'm praying that the word that you've given me this morning would would help us and be an encouragement for us, Lord. And so I know that I need your help to bring this word. I know I need your help to be able to share um, what you have, Father, for them. And so I pray that you would bless it. I pray that um, their hearts would be open and they'd be able to um, connect with you during this time. And that there would be something that would be encouraging and, and uplifting for them. Just take all the distractions away and give us a moment to just be with you as we're together, even though in separate places, but in this moment of time where we're here to hear from you. Uh, use this technology, God, to speak your word to the hearts, our hearts, and to all those that are listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to um, share three truths about God that may help you in difficult times, three truths that can help you and encourage you. Um, But before that, I would like to start in the book of Luke. I've been in the book of Luke this week reading in the Bible, and I'm going to start with Luke chapter 5, and we're going to look at a little bit about Jesus and um, go and start there. So Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it says, And on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in, on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now, getting into one of the boats, this is Jesus, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little ways from there, from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, that's one thing we can expect from God. We can expect for God to teach us. We can expect for Jesus to teach us, right? Um, we can expect for God to tell us what to do or tell us truths about himself. That's definitely expected of God in, in all circumstances, in, in all of times. And that's not, that's not really something that uh, is surprising. But let's go on to read a little more and let's look at what happens next. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So we find that it's probably late morning, midday. I'm not sure what time it is, but I think it's late morning. And he's telling Peter, the fisherman, right? Simon, take your boat out and go into the deep and let out your nets for a catch. Now, these guys have been fishing all night long and we see that he's asking him to do something and it may not make sense but he's asking him to obey and for most of us we understand that God will ask us to do things to to obey him and most of the time there is a result from obeying God whether it's not lying which helps builds trust 
or maybe it's uh, forgiving someone, which keeps us from harboring bitterness, or whether it's just being kind, which actually encourages us that we're able to be kind to someone and someone benefits from that kindness. So God's moral law, his moral will for our lives, we get that. We, it's, we've been taught all our life uh, in our walk with God to obey him. That's a good thing, right? Jesus said, teach, uh, make disciples and teach them to obey my commandments. So we got that part. But let's go on in this story and let's look at it a little bit more here. It says, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking and they signaled to the other partners in the other boats to come help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. So we find a great, great catch. Then after that, Simon Peter says, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. He's just astonished about how good God is and how powerful God is and how truthful he is. And then we go and we continue. And a little bit later in verse 12, it says, And while he was in one of the cities, this is Jesus, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, can you make me clean? Now we know what happens next. We know that Jesus reaches out, he touches the leopard, and he heals him. But I would like to talk a little bit about that. And this is the part that I think that we don't expect from God. And I think this is a, this is a part that um, is hard for us, right? Think about the man's life. He was a man full of leprosy. Now, this is something that probably happened to him. It's probably something he didn't do to himself. And what it was like to have that sickness, that sickness obviously isolated him. And, you know, the, the unknown of how long will that sickness be? Will I ever be cured? Will I ever be healthy? Um, that not knowing what's going to happen next, that not knowing whether it's going to get worse, um, and the pain and the suffering of it is really difficult. And that's the part that we have a hard time believing and receiving when it comes to God. So I want to read a scripture here, and this is Lamentations chapter 3, verses 37 to 38. It says, Who can command things to happen without the Lord's permission? Does not the Most High send both calamity and good? So we find here in the life of this leopard, that uh, this man of leprosy, that someone had to allow that. And that is God. God allowed, because it says nothing happens beyond God's permission, for him to have this sickness, for that situation to get really bad. Now, during all that time he was sick, this is when it's hard to believe that God would know what he's doing, right? Now, I look back part, uh, look back at a part of my own story. Part of my own story, um, there was a time where I was in extreme loneliness. And there's three things that happened that, that led me there or that contributed to that. One, I was told I was left alone when I was uh, at the age of being in a crib. Now, I don't know what age that is, that, you know, a year, eight months, whatever it is. And basically, my mom had to go out and work. And while she was working for a few hours at a time, sometimes she would just leave me there, leave me with a little uh, bit of, of, of uh, cereal, dry cereal. And my aunt would come over and she'd find me there all happy and, and all content. Um, but I know that, le that led me to feel alone. That carried on a little bit more as, as uh, you know, mom and dad had to make ends meet. I was left alone a lot as, as a child all the way up. Now, another thing happened is my sister went through 
uh, an abuse and then she passed that abuse to me. And then later on, um, as time went on, we also experienced uh, one of my parents that uh, had a, a problem with alcohol and the abuse of that alcohol brought on violence and anger and, and a lot of trauma. So a lot of times of a lot of fear and a lot of uh, being scared a lot. So what did that do to me? That caused me to feel alone. How did I, why did I feel alone? I felt alone because, I mean, who do you talk to about that? You feel ashamed that you even have to talk about something like that. Whether you were left alone when you were little, whether you were you know, abused in one way or another, or whether there's alcoholism and, and things going on in your home, you just feel embarrassed, right? And um, a lot of times you feel if you talk about it, you're gonna hurt your family member. You feel that part of it may be your fault. And there's a lot of loneliness. And I remember carrying that with me. Now, most of this stopped right around the age 14, but I remember it still carried on the loneliness in my life. Now, I remember being 17 years old. I had a girlfriend that was steady. I had friends. I had a car that I had worked hard and, and earned money to have it. And driving home on a nice summer night with the T-tops off, I could see the beautiful stars. And even though it was a great night hanging out, doing fun stuff as teenagers do, the loneliness hit me. Shortly after that is when Christ came into my life. And for the first time in my life, I was able to not feel alone. But if we look at that and we view that in, in the eyes of saying, why would God allow me to go through all that, right? Well, I want to share three truths about God. Now, this is something not that I came up with, but someone did. I'm not sure who. But they are, these are three truths. Write these down. Remember them. Say them over and over. And, and, and read and, and, and filter your life through this, your circumstances through this. Okay? Number one, God in his love always wills what is best for us. God in his love always wills what is best for us. So his will, right, is always what's best. In his wisdom, he always knows what is best. So he's all-knowing, he knows, and his wisdom is always what is best. And then number three, in his sovereignty, he has the power to bring it about. Sovereignty basically means that he is in control, and there's nothing that happens without his permission, and he can bring anything about, anything whatsoever. So those three truths. So if we look at my story and we say, man, God in his love always wills what is best for me. How was it that God was willing what was best for me in that time when I was ne neglecting, left alone in a crib? How was he uh, willing uh, what was best? How was he being loving to me um, and what was best for me when I was going through that abuse? And how was it that it was his wisdom in knowing that was what's best for me? and in his sovereignty for him to be able to bring about what's best in my life. Obviously we know as I gave up a little bit of the, of the story is that it, it literally brought me to Christ, that I knew something was missing. And when I was able to encounter Christ, that was the one thing that all of that had pointed me to. But I wanna share a few other things. Later on now in my life, it helps me to understand and be compassionate towards others that have been neglected or that have, have suffered some type of abuse or have been in uh, an alcoholic, uh, a home where there was alcohol abuse. It helps me to sympathize, helps me to understand, to have compassion. And also to know that people are broken no matter what. I'm broken. So when I look at that, yeah, it makes sense now. But in those times when 
we don't know how long that's going to be and for how long am I going to be going through that. It's difficult. Now, um, in Psalm 78, 19 to 22, we find where the people of Israel basically told God, you know what? You don't know what you're doing. You can't make it happen. And um, we basically need to give up. So here, here, here they say it like this. Psalm 78, 19, it says, Then even spoke, uh, they even spoke against God himself, saying, God, don't, God can't give us food in the wilderness. Verse 20 says, Yes, he can strike a, a rock so water could gush out, but he can't give his people bread and meat. And then verse 21, And when the Lord heard them, guess what? He was furious. The fire of his wrath burned against Jacob. And, he, uh, and yes, his anger rose against Israel. For they did not believe God or trust him to care for them. So God's anger was that they assaulted his character. You know, that he would not, what, love them, right? Uh, God in his love is always wills what is best for them that he didn't have the power to take care of them, but he did. So if God is a God of love, then how could he allow such difficulty to come to my life? I think that's the overall number one question that's ever asked by man of all time. If God is so good, then why does he allow bad? Why, why could he allow also bad things, right? Or why, could the, why, am I in, why am I in such a hard and difficult time? We get mad that good things we get mad that good things God allows and also bad things yeah God allows good things but we also get mad because he allows bad things but look at Jesus and what happened to him as he was crushed for our forgiveness God shows his amazing love for our acceptance yes we have God's forgiveness but also Jesus suffered right King Hezekiah said surely it was for my benefit, I suffered such anguish. Isaiah chapter 38, verse, seven, verse 17. Hezekiah knew that he suffered, but his suffering was for his benefit. Lamentations 32-33 says it this way. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion. Because of the greatness of his unfailing love. The thing is, is that God doesn't allow suffering and is happy about it at all because he also shows compassion when that grief comes in that means he feels for what you feel and it says it right here in verse 33 for he does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow he does not enjoy that he's not a god that does enjoy that enjoys the hurt that we go through but somehow in all of his wisdom, it is out of love. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. See, if we're going to be able to trust God, we must view the tough stuff that we go through through faith and not sense. So in other words, we will not be able to trust if at the same time, trust God if we're trying to look at it and make sense of it, right? We're in a situation, we're in a circumstance, things are dim, things are hard, 
and we don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know what's going to happen next. And if we're trying to make sense, which we can't, that's why we need trust. If, if, if we can make sense of it, then we really wouldn't need trust, right? We just know that, okay, I just need to obey. I need to follow God. But in the same way that we, faith, we received salvation through faith, and that comes through hearing of the gospel, is the same way that we will be able to have the trust to build up, to be built up, to be able to trust God in difficult times. So Romans 10, 17 says it this way. So faith comes through hearing, and that is hearing the good news about Christ Jesus. See, salvation came through faith, and that faith in Ephesians says is that it was a gift. In order for us to truly believe that God can save me and forgive me of my sins, God gave that to me, right, as a gift, and he gave me that faith to believe it. And how did that happen? Is because I heard God's word, because you heard God's word, and in that, some mysterious, miraculous work of God through the Holy Spirit caused you to believe. And at that moment, you were born again, and you were now saved by the faith that God gave you. So the faith to trust God in difficult times will come from the word of God the same way that it came for our salvation. Scriptures applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit will give us the grace to trust God in the storms of the unknown. Let me say that again. Scripture applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit will give us the grace to trust God. What is grace? Grace is unmerited mercy. That's something that I don't deserve. It's not something that I can earn. It's not something that I can muster up and make happen. That comes from the scriptures. Well, how do we have those scriptures come into our lives? Is as we eat and drink from the word, right? That God uses the scriptures to build that trust, to give us uh, the grace to have trust, that God in the storms of the unknown will be there with us for us to trust God in those storms. See, that's one thing that Jesus promised. He promised that in this life we will have trouble. I mean, he even goes to the extent of saying, look, if they did this to me, in other words, he was arrested, he was falsely accused, he was uh, tormented, he was beaten, he was uh, put on the cross, if they did that to him, he said, and I'm the master, imagine what they will do to his servants. Imagine they would do to us, his followers. And in this life, we go through these ter uh, terrible times. And right now, we're in a situation in, this, in society and in life right now um, that it is unpredictable, right? We don't know how long it's going to be like this. And we don't know what's next. And um, if I were you, I would turn off the news because you're only going to be down if that's all you listen to. I actually deleted my news app, and if you want me to know about news, you're going to have to tell me, or I'm going to have to see it um, you know, somehow, some other way. But I really don't want to look at that. Not that I want to be someone that is you know, um, not willing to face what's going on, but I just don't think it's healthy. But at the same time, whatever is going to happen is going to happen, and I can't control that. And I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know for how long. So that's why I believe that we need to believe these three truths about God. And we're going to get that from being in the scriptures. Now I want to go over those three truths one more time again. That God in his love always wills what is best for us. God in his love always wills what is best for us. 
And in his wisdom, he always knows what is best. And in his sovereignty, he has the power to bring it about. Now that happens by being in the scriptures. Now we started, we're starting a Bible reading plan for the whole church. It's gonna roll out real shortly here. And the reason why we're starting this Bible reading plan is because as your pastors, we wanna lead you to Christ. And we wanna lead you to Christ then that means we must lead you to the scriptures because Christ is in the scriptures. As a matter of fact, in, in, in uh, John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh. God, Jesus is actually the Word. In order for you to encounter Christ, you must encounter the scriptures. But we also believe that this is God's way of leading you to green pastures that Psalms 23 talks about. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures in order for me to lie down in the rest of God, which is in his arms, which is, is in him, to be able to trust him in those difficult times. It can't come from you. It's got to come from something bigger than you. It's got to be something that's given to you. It's got to be somewhere where you lay in and it just swallows you up in those green pastures, which is God's love and God's grace in the scriptures. And then you can take that and you can share it with others. And that's what the Bible says. It says, as you see the day approaching, what's the day approaching? The day is the coming of the Lord. And what does the Bible say about the coming of the Lord? It says, well, if you know that, that when a tree is about to uh, bloom and then go into giving a fruit, but you don't even know uh, when the Lord is coming, it's like this. And he goes into say, times that we're living in right now. Now, I'm not going to say I know exactly when or exactly how, but he says this generation shall not pass. So as we see the signs of the times, and it's very possible that our generation will not pass and the Lord will come. So as you see the day approaching, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. But it's not something that we must have a faint of heart. Because why? God is going to be with us in those times. And he is with us in those times. But as we see the day approaching, it says, encourage one another. Do not forsake the, the gathering together to encourage one another. Because he, there's also uh, uh, the, what the Word of God says, that many hearts will grow cold or grow faint, right? Of course, look at what's going on. There's a lot of hearts growing faint right now. But you know what? That's why we are to hold on to these truths. So we, take, we go back to the, the story of where the leopard, where Jesus meets the leopard, right? And we see that he has lived this life full of sickness, full of pain. He was an unknown but something told him that I need to trust that if I meet Jesus, everything's going to change. And sure enough, he meets Jesus. And yes, he's healed. But what? let's say he was never healed, but he still met Jesus. One day he would be healed. And that's, that's the thing about our faith that we have in Christ. That our God and our Savior, not alone does he sometimes heal us and sometimes he doesn't sometimes our sickness is unto death but if he even if he did not choose to heal us we would pass from this life to the next healed and with a glorified body forever and ever and that would still be working out what was meant for evil what was meant for bad for our good that would still be having a loving plan that his will would always be loving and would be best for us See, you can gain this whole world, but yet lose your soul. You can eat of the best 
foods and you can experience the best of everything. You can, as, as um, um, Solomon says in the book of Ecclesiastes, not withhold anything from yourself of all the pleasures of this world and yet never be satisfied. And go on thirsty and starving for eternity because you're without salvation. And that's what this uh, culture that we're brought up in in America is, is to take all that you can for now as quickly as you can. And when you don't have it, your life is sad, it's bad, and it's depressed. But I want you to know that whenever we are away from Christ and we don't have and we don't encounter him, then we are no longer able to have what's best for us. We're no longer able to uh, encounter the peace and the love and the joy that God has for us by being with him, by knowing him. So three things to hold on to again is that God's plan, um, that God in his love always wills what's best for you. And whenever we don't trust God, and that's me, like I battle, I, it's much easier for me to obey God. I was brought up obeying Christ, right, in my walk and, and obedience is good. It's easier for me to obey and it's harder for me to trust, right? I can see um, the results of obedience, but sometimes as I trust God, things don't get better, right? Things may even get worse. But at the end of the day, if I hold on to him knowing that his love always wills what's best, that he's all loving, that he's perfectly, perfect love he has for me, that in his wisdom, he knows what is best, and that in his sovereignty, he has the power to bring it about, that nothing ever happens without him knowing or without him giving permission. That means he knows what's best. And I hope that those truths will help you and encourage you. And if you've never, ever come to a place where you realize that your life is not in your hands and that you're not in control and that, you know, if tomorrow you were to die and you were to meet God, would you go to heaven? Would you be with him? Or would you be separate from him in how forever? And you've never ever even thought about that or, or, or that's never dawned on you. That somehow, some way you thought you could just live life and, and when you die, nothing happens and you just go into abyss. But you realize now that there is more to life than this. And he's speaking to you right now and you realize that you're not in control. And that even though bad things are happening in your life and unpredictable things are happening in your life, that he actually wills this for what's best for you. And even if you don't get to see it right now and it becomes a mystery until the day you die, knowing that he wills what's best for you is very, very comforting. Instead of us getting mad at it, we need to be comforted by it. That he is a God who is in all control and that truly loves us and will truly bring out what's best for us, even in the hard times. If you're in that place right now and you've never accepted that Jesus died for you on the cross, that's the first and the most important and the truth that encompasses this all. That's how we're able to believe that he's loving and his will's what's best because he willed for his son to die, to make us, uh, to give us forgiveness and make us right with him, to correct the wrongs that we did, to put him on Jesus. 
See, when Jesus was before Pontius Pilate and Pontius Pilate was about to commit him to be crucified, he told him, hey, do you realize like, I can just you know, send you off to be crucified? Jesus said, no, no, no. There's no way you can do that unless the Father uh, gives you the permission. See, nothing happens without God's permission. And we can trust that. We can trust that even though we don't understand it, even though it doesn't make sense, God knows what he's doing and he has what's best for us in his hands. I hope that's encouraging to you, church. I hope that helps you. I hope that you can take whatever circumstance and situation that you're in and just filter it through those truths. God bless you all. Hope to see you soon. Uh, again, be looking out for our Bible reading plan. And that, you know, we know we can't gather in larger groups, um, obviously with what's going on, but that we're going to encourage you to gather together in smaller groups in our squads and that hopefully that would grow. And then we want to encourage you to make disciples and to love one another, that, that we're going to trust him, right? We're going to trust that in this time we're going to thrive as a church, that we're going to see God do what we cannot do, right? That we're going to see him pull through in those places like he told Peter, go out into the deep and cast your net. And it's like it doesn't make sense, but we're going to trust him for that because he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing when he says gather together and share with one another the truths of God and encourage one another about what his plan is, which is ultimately good. There's no one else, no other God. There's no other belief. There's no other religion that says that it's ultimately good. And how do we know that? Because he gave his best. He gave us his son. God bless you, church. See you soon.